where there's a will, there's a way. You're diving into that ocean of solutions every single day, and you just um, keep doing that. And you know, chances are things are going to be okay, and some some good luck on your part. So, well, again, the lotto tickets is just a couple of bucks. So. <laughs> by saying I probably don't represent most vegans or people involved in the vegan movement. Um, pretty much a little more than a year ago now, I was living up here. The plan was to start some small-scale vegetable production in the summer, but it was still like February at the time. I was looking for something to do for a couple months, and at that point I had no experience working with animals, and I figured, hey... Maybe I can get a job doing that. And I was looking at stuff online and found relatively close by this vegan animal sanctuary. And I wasn't, you know, veganism at that point wasn't something I'd even considered. Uh, but I figured if I was going to be learning how to take care of animals, the vegan community would probably be the best place to learn how to really take care of them versus, you know, at a farm or anything where there's always going to be issues of the bottom line. And for me, I just wanted to know, you know, what's the gold standard? And if I do decide to raise my own animals at some point, where, you know, I'll, I'll figure out where I fall on that spectrum, but might as well learn from the best. And just kind of showed up and was an intern there for three months. And I fell in love with the place, fell in love with the animals, fell in love with the work. And at one point, the shelter manager took me aside and was just like, hey, First of all, have you considered going vegan? And second of all, have you considered maybe applying for a full-time job? And so I told him, uh, well, at this point, working with these animals, it's definitely something I'm thinking about. At the time, it was still something that I wasn't sure if I could get fully behind. So I told him, let me try it for a month. And if I make it a month, then I'll apply for a job. And I made it through the month and applied for the job and wound up getting it. So it was not really something I planned at all, just sort of fell into it. But once I started and, you know, it's been more than a year now since I started as an intern and it's uh, been a very, very interesting experience. Was there like an animal when you first started working that was particularly like demanding or because you said you had no skills whatsoever and then you or not no skills but like no like real hands-on experience and then you like dove right into it so i imagine that made for some messy first encounters at least with some of the animals 
Yeah, where, man. Where definitely. are you guys located? Where are you based out of also? Uh, so we're located in the town of High Falls, New York. It's up near New Paltz, right off the uh, throughway. Uh, so it's about an hour and 45 minutes north of the city. Pretty easy drive, especially it's a nice scenic one. But uh, most of our visitors on the weekends are people coming up from the city. So it's definitely a manageable drive. I do the reverse drive on a regular basis getting down to the city. So it's uh, it's pretty close. But yeah, going back to the messy animal experiences, right off the bat, one of the things I had to do as an intern was in the medical barn, we've got a bunch of cages for mostly the sick chickens that we have to bring in and treat or isolate or quarantine for one reason or another. And they're these decent sized cages and we line the bottoms with multiple layers of towels so that they're comfortable. But as chickens do, they... uh, get, you know, the towels pretty messy on a regular basis. So one of the tasks is to change out the towels. And there are a couple ways of doing that. Um, As I learned right off the bat, it's really hard to get a towel from out from underneath a chicken without having to interact with it directly. So (laughs) I knew eventually I'd have to face my fears. And grabbing a chicken for the first time, just touching a chicken for the first time, (laughs) was a very daunting and very surreal experience. They, that is different. The feathers don't feel like you kind of think they're going to feel. They're they're a lot sleeker. You know, I'm used to like fluffy pillow feathers. Uh, and they got those tucked underneath, but they, the exterior feathers are, have this sort of sleekness and slipperiness to them that I wasn't expecting at all. And, you know, they uh, they can't fly, or most of them can't fly, but they can certainly flap their wings. And if you don't hold them properly, you end up with uh, wings flapping in your face and smacking you in the nose and eyes, and they squawk and make a lot of noise, and it's it's mostly startling more than anything. But having to start my mornings as an intern coming in at 7 a.m. and having to grab a bunch of different chickens and move them around so that I could clean their cages was uh, right off the bat one of the, (laughs) the big challenges, but... A lot of it was just, you know, I, I did have plenty of people helping me out and showing me the proper techniques, but all of it was very much hands-on, on-the-job training. So it was just a lot of moments of having to dive in, and whether it's grabbing your first goat by the horns or having to, you know, face down a 3,000-pound cow who's charging at you, but I'm pretty sure he's not going not gonna to go through with it. Uh, what? <laughs> you play chicken with a cow? Yeah, some, sometimes, <laughs> you know, for the most part, luckily, they, uh, they don't go through fences. So as long as you keep a fence close enough to you that you can get to it pretty quickly, I like to think it's pretty safe. But I definitely have gotten a lot better at jumping over fences quickly in the last year. Damn. Wait, this may be a dumb question, but um, like, what what exactly is like a sick chicken, like, or like a sick lamb? Is it just animals that are falling out of their habits that allow you to identify that they're sick or something is wrong? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to turn this into too much of a bummer. Yeah, you know? I'm very curious. Like, I would have no idea. <laughs> the whole purpose of the sanctuary is to sort of promote veganism, and uh-huh. unfortunately, the the way it did that to me was really showing me the extent to which the animals that have been bred for our consumption end up with all sorts of genetic deficiencies and issues that, you know, some of it, and especially when we're dealing with fresh rescues, 
if we're getting them from a place that's a factory farm or just really any place where the bottom line dictates whether or not this animal gets the medicine it needs versus, oh, well, it's cheaper to just let it go on for a little bit. You know, we get all sorts of different illnesses that can be parasites, they can be genetic deficiencies. Um, the Honestly, the biggest issue we have with our chickens is reproductive cancers, especially the ones that have been bred for eggs. They, the rate at which they get ovarian cancer as a result is really, really horrifying. So a lot of the chickens that I see on a daily basis have tumors of some kind that you know we we don't have a cure for so a lot of the work we do is palliative and it's just making sure that instead of just being let to suffer like they might someplace else or just slaughtered for meat as soon as they start getting sick we try and give them the most comfortable life that they can have and whether that's a tiny little chicken or one of our really big cows the commitment is the same it's just about doing everything we can. And sometimes, you know, there's nothing we can do, but make sure that they're comfortable. But it feels really good when it's something that they might not even have any literature on in veterinary science, just because no one has cared enough before to say, hey, how do we treat this in a goat? Or how do we treat this in anything really that isn't a cat, a dog, or a horse? Those are sort of the, the three animals that people spend money on. And yeah. as a result, there's, you know, all sorts of times where we're doing our own research and experimenting with stuff. And it feels really good when that works. Yeah, it's, it's just sometimes it's disturbing how, um, I mean, in addition to worrying about whether or not your food is undercooked, just the fact that the animal that you're going to consume is possibly like the sickest in a bunch. Like that, that's fucking mind blowing to me always. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I, I definitely have uh, learned all sorts of stuff about the food industry that has made things a lot easier. You know, at this point, coming up in May will be the one year anniversary since I had any pork, meat. You know, any any of the the stuff from the animals that I'm, I'm working with, and between learning where they're coming from and just learning about the actual animals. I mean, again, I. I've eaten chicken up until almost a year ago. I ate chicken regularly throughout my entire life. I cooked chicken. Mm -hmm. You know, I bought a whole chicken and prepped it start to finish. And you played I, chicken in a pool. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I thought I had an intimate relationship with chickens and I'd never <laughs> even touched one before. And just. And now you're a professional chicken snatcher? Yeah, man. I, <laughs> I have gotten quite good at catching chickens. Uh, I, I can't quite claim one of my coworkers. I once watched her grab a chicken in each hand simultaneously. And I haven't ever been able to do that, but you give me both hands and I can, I can catch chicken pretty damn good at this point. Now that's dope though. It definitely does. I feel like sent to you and it actually just, it gives you more empathy in this world. Right? Definitely. You just take, take care of animals, all shapes and sizes. I mean, it's something that I, it's it's hard for me to think about just because I'm looking back on how I used to be, and mm. it's exactly the same way I've always liked people's pets. I had a cat growing up. I yep. you know love my friends' dogs, and it's so easy to be compassionate and build a relationship with these adorable 
cats and dogs that people keep. And for some reason, having that like mental block of just like, yep, that's where that's where the line is drawn. Anything that isn't a cat or a dog, you know, that's they're not capable of the same stuff and it, they're not worth the same level of care. Uh, the best way of disproving that is to actually have these interactions. And, you know, one of the one of my favorite stories is that we've got a blind duck who a bunch of the other ducks try to pick on sometimes, but she has this like gang of three other ducks that just are constantly looking out for her. And if she gets lost, they'll like call to her and guide her over and just for animals that most of the time are just like eating and drinking and running around and not really displaying a whole lot of personality other than just quacking um, to actually see them have some level of compassion for a weaker member rather than just be like, Oh, well forget about you. We're going to shun you now because you're sick or pick on you because you're weak. There are ducks out there that actually care. And if you had told me that a year ago, I wouldn't have believed it. <laughs> so it just, it makes it real difficult to sort of figure out like, oh, well, where do I draw the line? Are, are there fish out there that can be nice? I don't know. I don't work with any fish, so I can't tell you. But pretty much every animal that we've got at the sanctuary, I have seen at least in one instance, exhibit a level of either compassion or personality that I wouldn't have believed possible before I started working there. I feel like it's interesting too, because it's like the, even the lines that we draw here, the lines are drawn differently across the, in different places of the world. Like there are places that eat dog. There are places that eat horse meat regularly where like in other places people would be really put off by that. So it's like, why do we draw the line with certain animals? But <clears throat> to your point too, it's like, I've never had the experiences with chicken. I just was born into a world that was like, eat some chicken, chicken biryani, you know what I'm saying? Yep. And it, it does become a tough shift to give up your habits. I feel like for you too, to be able to dive headfirst into that, that really helps make it a formative experience. Whereas like what you're saying is horrible. And like, I'm like, damn, I should probably stop eating chicken. But I also like, I know that I'm not going to necessarily not eat chicken after this phone call for the rest of my life. So it's like, I feel like having that firsthand experience is clearly like a big factor too to being totally. able to embrace that lifestyle. That has been sort of one of the big unexpected experiences that I got out of this was just taking something that a year ago I didn't agree with. I didn't believe. I didn't want to agree with it. You know, I really liked my my sous vide steaks that I cooked and just, you know, I, I had eight years of cooking experience that I had built up all oh, wow. using meat and dairy and all these things that, you know, all of my baking recipes, pretty much everything has eggs and dairy. It's a staple of making anything that, you know, is delicious as far as I'm concerned. And just having to throw all that out was incredibly scary and I didn't want to do it. And just the experience of diving in someplace where, you know, for the first couple months I was there, I felt like I was an undercover police officer or something, or, you know, I was, I was very much playing the role and going home at night and having all these doubts and wanting to like sneak a, a big spoonful of Nutella or something. But the longer I was there and the more I was in these situations where 
a conversation would come up at work and everyone would share the same sort of vegan view on the issue. And I would find myself going, oh, well, that wasn't what I would have initially. That wasn't my gut reaction to this. But slowly over time, I sort of started supplanting my original gut reactions with this new way of thinking. And it's probably not the, the best choice of words, but I honestly think I, I sort of brainwashed myself into this way of thinking just by, you know, the same way you learn a new language by really immersing yourself in another culture, in another country. I was sort of startled by, you know, six months in how much I believed in the things that six months earlier I thought were ridiculous. I feel like that's also part of why people push back against it too, though, is like you hear so many, like a lot of times vegans sound like they've been indoctrinated by veganism, not you <laughs> in this conversation, but like elsewhere. I feel like that's obviously like kind of become a stereotype of vegans that they're very like, it's almost like a cult uh, in terms of how people view the lifestyle that they're living sometimes. But it's so it's dope to hear you who I've had a lot of experience with in the past before you necessarily started working at working with these animals, etc., and hearing your journey through it. Again, that's, uh, I do have to say, I, I think I said it before, I do not represent the traditional vegan. And I'm sure I have probably said things that most vegans would disagree with. But coming from it from where I came from, I, I think of things a little differently. And you know, it's, I understand the cult perspective because there are certain aspects of it that it's a way of changing in the way that you think that can be sort of frustrating. Um, uh, it's a bad analogy, but I just remember like when kids in college started getting into psychedelics, there would be like that one guy who'd have this mind blowing trip where he just like saw the world in a different way and just would sound like a cult guy when he tried to describe what he was feeling and seeing just because he he couldn't understand how people weren't seeing it the way that he now saw it and i can totally understand how people can look at hardcore animal rights activists and go yeah that person is a nutso but having met these people and really put myself in their shoes i can see how they can look back at other people and I now catch myself looking at my friends and other people who aren't vegan and just thinking to myself, like, do you recognize how to some people what you're eating, what you're talking about, what the culture you're promoting seems so cruel and inhumane and disgusting that for some people, I can totally understand how they can't help but have a crazy seeming response to that. Long term, too, it's just way more sustainable for society and for this planet. And I know that no matter how people feel, if you if they do feel like, okay, you're now indoctrinated in this cult, it's like long game, you know that you're um putting your best foot forward to keep this earth and this planet in a good condition. I feel like what you said too about culture is important because even on like a lot of it also just comes back to like the mind state of how of like indulgence and how people are engaging because a lot of people don't even think about what they're consuming they just consume so i feel like well it's so easy not to but i don't know it's uh it's something that i think once again the 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 thing about the chickens and the reproductive cancers like i i hate bringing this stuff up to people because it's they're brain worms 
And like, there's a decent chance that for the rest of your life, every time you walk down a grocery store aisle and you see all those eggs, there's going to be a little voice in the back of your head that's just like cancer. And like, that's not what, that's not the association you want when you're thinking like scrambled eggs, a good good poached egg. I used to love them. They were the best. But now I look at that and I picture individual chickens who I've cared for who I know died as a result of being inbred freaks that are just designed to pop eggs out until they get cancer and then die. And that's basically the only purpose they have. And it's just, it's not something I can shut off in my brain anymore. And it's something that, you know, I wonder after I stop working here at some point in the future, Will that continue or do I, will I eventually just get to a point where I just sort of suppress it enough that I'll give up my veganism? But it's something, I don't know. I'm very much going on the journey and <laughs> seeing where it leads me. Do you have any animals right now yourself or any pets? I don't. Uh, my, my family, we've had a cat until recently and unfortunately he passed recently. So we're at the point where the conversation is open as to what's the next step. I, I think my parents are probably going to get another cat, but I'm hoping that maybe I can possibly get a dog. I don't know. I'm, it's tough because of my work schedule. I'm, I'm not home often. And, you know, I'd love to get, you know, maybe a goat or two of my own. Uh, but I'm spending so much time at work. And when I'm not at work, you know, I'm trying to get down to the city as much as I can. So it's, it's something that I, I want some animals in my life, but honestly, I got, I got plenty of animals at work, so I'm I'm perfectly happy to come home and have a little break from the needs of animals. <laughs> That's real. Fair enough. Also, I just realized we haven't done introductions yet, so I should probably. Help. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. What's good, everybody? It's uh, Zen. Yeah. Welcome back to uh, our shared audio space. You free? We got Eric on the line, and yep, yep. Who has been convincing us all to go vegan? Scott Cathell. I uh, went to school, both high school and college, with Azim, so we go way back. Yes, sir. And we, uh, we're we geographically not too far, but we're definitely having different experiences. I'm, ha- I'm in the heart of uh, New York City at the moment, and you're catching chickens upstate. The pleasures of the Hudson Valley, located conveniently by train, car, or bus just north of New York City. <laughs> Spent a lot of my time trying to convince people to come on up. It's uh, it's a pretty great place. Also, when the weather changes, you know, I was about that, to say, now that it's warming up, that'll definitely exactly. I think that'll definitely spark um different ideas in people's minds. So hopefully, I mean, what are you saying? I was going to say the winter must have been brutal up there. Yeah, this uh, this was my first full winter working a job outdoors, and uh, I can say I'm very very happy that it's getting warmer. <laughs> It was uh, a real challenge, just especially being in a place where like can't really call in because the weather is bad. Like the animals aren't gonna just take a snow day, so uh, I was there in all sorts of conditions, and there were times where it was a real challenge just driving home after work. But I don't know. I like to think that anyone that lives either in the Northeast or anywhere with real winters. We've all developed the ability to just immediately suppress the memories of what we've just gone through. As soon as the sun starts (laughs) to warm up and the spring just starts to get into the air, we just repress those memories of 
cold, cold nights and days and just mornings where my beard would freeze just from the breath I was exhaling. That's It's all fading. And as I'm speaking right now, the sun just came out of the clouds and it's um, I'm just letting it all fade into the past and <laughs> looking forward to the trees starting starting to bud and it's gonna be it's gonna be a good spring and summer. I can I can feel it. <laughs> nice. That's the only that's how you gotta do it, man. It's funny because I feel like I always imagine that you'd just be living out in Cali like, you know, chilling chilling out there in the warm weather anyway. Here you are fighting the conditions for these animals upstate. Yeah, well, uh, there was talk briefly at work about uh possibly looking into a second location out somewhere mm-hmm. in California. And, uh, I know you raised your hand. You raised your hand quickly. <laughs> I definitely. There was definitely a little bit of oh, maybe uh, let's uh, let's keep me in the loop on this one. That is what's up. Yeah, no, I think I think um, I'm definitely going to revisit the idea of cutting out meat. I don't. I think it'll be hard for me to cut out dairy products because I love pizza. Yeah, pizza. And- honestly, pizza, and Nutella. And ice cream were like the three that just ice cream is, yeah. to this day walking down the street in New York and just catching a whiff of pizza is is rough. <laughs> so what's your favorite meal now that you are vegan? So I'll I'll do two categories. The the first one is really the toughest for me when I first started was replacing the like garbage lazy food. Just the, I come home from work, especially in the summer, we work until 9 p.m. So I'm getting home at like 9.30, 10 o'clock. And it's just, I got to have dinner before I go to bed. Finding something there that wasn't frozen pizza or something like that. The real savior in my life recently has been spicy chick N patties. Uh, not to be confused with the, the real animal product, but I... I don't know how they make it, um, but I've, I've found that, especially since when I was still eating meat, I was a garbage meat eater. The fact that they've managed to replicate your like middle school cafeteria level chicken patty is perfect for me. So I can just That's true. That's come true. home, throw a couple in the oven, toast up a couple buns, throw some ketchup on it, and just have a meal that's satisfying and I guess kind of healthy. Uh, at least it's vegan that that was a big a big step for me but then learning all of these new recipes where especially on the weekends i do big batches of stuff that i freeze and then eat for lunch at work throughout the week and the recipe i think that really did it for me was a vegan chili recipe it is it's like chickpeas and beans and you use whole dried peppers to start instead of chili powder you make like a chili paste and just the flavor is so good that there are times where i'm eating it at work and i feel guilty for a second as if i'm cheating on my veganism with some good meaty chili and then have to remember like oh no this is just like ground chickpeas and canned tomatoes like this is 100 percent vegan and it's as satisfying as what my memories of just like really good meat chili used to be. So I'd say those are the two that have really made it much easier for me. But I will say, um, I think I picked the most convenient time to go vegan just because there are a lot of really great products that are coming out now. And I don't know if you've tried the impossible burger, but I think everyone should give it a shot. Um, it's not going to replace the like, 
big, thick patty that, you know, some meat lover might craze. But for me, just like replicating your average good Wendy's or like in and out burger level patty, I think it does an incredible job. And if you want, cheat a little bit. Put some real cheese on there. Uh, at least you're cutting out the beef. And, you know, that's, I'm a big baby proponent steps. of, you know, yeah, baby steps. I, I worked briefly in drug policy and harm reduction. So I like to think the harm reduction view of veganism is just, you know, make the effort when you can. If you're in a situation where, you know, you feel, oh, I got to cheat. You can let yourself cheat as long as you don't use that as an excuse to give it up entirely. Just every day, make a little bit of an effort to take a step in the right direction. And at the end, you might find you've made a huge change in your life. And, you know, you're suddenly doing something that a year or two ago would have sounded absolutely crazy. Set us free.